0: Welcome back to What's in the Box, the Doctor Who podcast that invites you to discuss your favourite or recommended things from the world of Doctor Who. My name's Jim, and I'll be your host as we piece together the things that make Doctor Who for you. I'm still with Matt Dennis. In part one, he discussed his favourite TV story, his favourite audio, his favourite book, and his favourite two doctors. So we're going to move on to your next topic now. Um, and you've chosen uh, something which uh, covers a, a vast array of the history of yeah. Doctor Who, um, which is uh, cliffhangers. I just, yeah. Um, I I miss the
1: cliffhanger. We get hmm. one every, you know, every series now if we're lucky. I really miss the cliffhanger. Um, and I think it's just such a, great when i was i was when i was preparing for this podcast i was just kind of thinking about like favorite moments because you know when you invite someone on the show you ask us to have a think about what we want to think about and i was just Mm. thinking okay well let's talk about think about moments and then um maybe that will be something and then i just realized how many of my favorite moments are cliffhangers and i think Mm. um there's a million doctor who fans who probably feel exactly the same way it's like there's something really great about the cliffhangers and when that sting of the theme tune comes in and yeah, it's great. I think they're
0: a quintessential part of the show and it is something that's, uh, that I, I feel is missing. We do kind of get the, the, uh, the, t- the pre-titled teasers, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a cliffhanger, but yeah. it's, it, it's more of a setup really rather yeah, than. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've never, I, I
1: got, I remember reading, I think it was Doctor Who Magazine, like someone made the case for that, I think in, in a blog years ago. Um, of saying well the cliffhanger hasn't gone it's it's their the pre-titles but i'm like but i don't know these people and i don't care about them but every <laughs> now and then you know they're great there are some really great ones mm. but then actually it's kind of fun because then you kind of think about them as what if they work actual end of episode cliffhangers mm. and there's a great there's a there's some great youtubers who do like comedy um cliffhanger versions you know where they they cut it halfway through an episode and they like this moment but what if it was the cliffhanger? So there's like the <laughs> bit from the woman who fell to Earth, where the Thirteenth um, Doctor wipes Ryan's phone, and he's like, "All oh, my stuff's on there," and she's like, "Not anymore." <laughs> and I, I honestly a great idea, cracked, I cracked up <laughs> laughing so much; it was great. Um, but the, I think about stuff like that. I'm like, "Well, if they, what if they were?" So I'm mad, like the the bit in Vampires of Venice where Matt Smith bursts out the cake, and then, <clears> you know that's the cliffhanger now. But put that yeah. as an end of that's end of episode one in the Alternate reality where there's a four part version of Vampires of Venice.
0: Well, what a good Uh, idea would have been is to have ended each, the previous week's story with the uh, pre titles teaser for the next story. So you could have the Matt Smith bursting out of the cake at the end of the episode. I kind of wish they would go back to,
1: I know they always want to try and include some gaps for Big Finish (laughs) and the novels and stuff, but I wish they'd go back to that, um, like the very early William Hartnell era where every episode was a, you know had a cliffhanger because obviously like kind of like the show is now we don't do and apart from the odd one here and there, we don't do part ones and part twos we have individual episode titles Mm. so you could and it would be kind of cool to keep guessing and actually some of the best cliffhangers are those ones where you think it's not a part you know a multi-part story so like utopia Mm. i remember tuning in for that having no idea that it was a part one of a three-part story yeah. And that is one of my favorite. That's one of the best cliffhangers Doctor Who's ever done. What a reveal! Yeah. Like, and I had no. Cl- I knew the Master was, you know, talked about and rumored for the series at some point, but there was I li- did not click at all that Derek Jacobi was the Master. No. Did not click that we were going to see John Sim in that episode. I thought it was just going to be a throwaway episode eleven like we've had for the last couple of years. I thought that was fab. Mm. Um, that's one that always immediately comes to
0: mind when i think of like great cliffhangers Um, i think um i think i was potentially and i need to stop allowing myself to be spoiled but i may have accidentally seen spoilers for utopia
2: so i kind
0: of knew it was coming but i didn't know how it was coming so it was still the most one of the most insanely exciting things i'd ever seen um and and in in much the same way that unfortunately i i spoiled myself over the uh over the bi-generation stuff as oh. well in in uh, in in this uh, the giggle, but uh, but that's 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 a different that's a different story. Right. It's um, a different story, but bad, but, bad, but yeah, bad I know. Joke. And and I I I I honestly I try not to, and then I suddenly spot something, and I think this this, this <laughs> oh, can't this be uh, this can't yeah. be this can't be true. Surely it's an interesting idea, but uh, oh. And then you see the episode like <laughs> I know everything that's happening. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so U- Utopia, yeah, absolutely fantastic cliffhanger in yeah. I think it was the first time we'd done a three part, three part yeah, as well in the I new mean, series. I, I would argue
1: that's probably the only three part. I know there's some people on the uh, on the fence a little bit about um, Face the Raven, Heaven Sent, Hell Ben. I kind of go with uh, what Doctor Who magazine kind of suggest which is that there are three individual stories but they're kind of linked mm. um but you could argue that that is a free parter i know people think of that as a free parter mm. um in the same way like turn left technically leads into stolen earth journey's end yeah um but yeah, *Utopia* is a great cliffhanger. Um, I um, another one that blew me away as a kid was um, *Army of Ghosts*. Again, didn't have no clue that the Daleks were going to come out of that sphere at mm. the end. Mm. Um, so I was, I don't know, and then obviously then we had the the whole prospect of, oh my god, Daleks and Cybermen working together. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh my god, that's so exciting. Yeah. Um, that's always a great one. I mean, I think actually Russell D. Davies finale cliffhangers are always pretty good. Stolen <clears> Earth <throat> is obviously one of the best of all time because it made the ratings go oh. up 2
0: million. I
1: mean, um, there was
0: no... And we had no clue as to what was happening after no. that. Well, there was no... I, I don't believe there was a trailer. No. Um, I, we just had no idea. I and that it's... was one of the greatest things that they could have done, I think, because it I just ramped up everybody's it's, interest yeah. in the show. I... I had
1: it spoiled for me oh, no! because I couldn't watch Doctor Who that night. And then, oh, no. so I was, but I had it recorded, but I had to go to on the Sunday. I had to go to like a school play rehearsal or something in the morning. And a guy there who knew that I liked Doctor Who came up to me and was like, who do you think the next Doctor's going to be? And I went, well, David Tent's still the doctor. He's he's not leaving. And he went, "Did you not see it last night?" And that's all he kind of said. But I oh. kind of realized something happened last night, and I have no clue what it was. That's all. all it needed night. a seed
0: in your head. Yeah.
1: So, but then I was still absolutely edge of my seat shocked when I when I watched it. Mm.
2: Um,
1: classic series ones. I I I I like. Um, I love, and I think it's again because it's just one of those like early ones you know, one of the earlier classic stories I saw, I love the part three of Talons of Wang Chiang. Mm. Um, Just something about this. And even now it still freaks, freaks me out a little bit. Just, it's just the fact that it's Leela of all characters and it's her only scream. Mm. So, you know, it must be bad if she's screaming in pain and when that, and it's the one time in the story that the fake rat looks
0: good. Yeah
2: yeah
1: when it's when it's chewing on her leg and yeah. she's screaming and stuff like that's like a great i i wish i'd been a kid in 1977 watching that on a it's Saturday quite night.
0: edgyish, edge of your seat stuff as well isn't it when it's kind of in the darkness and it's coming down that tunnel you know as fake as the rat books yeah. it's still tense yeah
1: gary. it's brilliant it's brilliantly shot it's and the the, mu- the like dudley simpson's music builds up to it so well like mm. it's just that wonderful creeping thing that dudley simpson does so well um i love that another one i like i like the scary ones so actually um horror Fang rock part three
2: mm. just
1: the whole oh I thought I'd locked it out, and I've locked it in with us. Yeah, is such a great cliffhanger. That's a proper, chi- and again, it's Tom Baker it is has the best delivery. Mm. Proper chills down my spine. Um, those are the classic ones I, love. I, I There's a few others from the classic here I love. What about yourself? Any um, that's been
0: to mind? I mean, I was I was looking I was looking at uh, <laughs> I was I, I I had the impossible task of going through each story and thinking right. What you know? One of my favorite cliffhangers from some of these stories, and I was like, in the end, I was like, I can't. Uh, there's too many to mention, mm-hmm. but but uh, a lot of my favorite ones are mainly from the '60s stories. Yes. So even like that first cliffhanger of the the shadow of the of uh, the caveman yeah. across the across the landscape and across the TARDIS, and you know Barbara screaming in the Daleks, and yeah. even things like. Uh, The Doctor losing the TARDIS and the web planet when he thinks that the TARDIS is gone. My ship, my ship. And, uh, you know, Vicky with the Monk's Got a TARDIS. Oh, that's a great one. Yes. Vicky screaming when she sees the Rill in Galaxy 4. I can't remember which episode it is, but things like even I think think it's the stuff that really makes you sit up and think, what? There there was one that my friend and I used to often talk about when, when we were kids because we'd... We we own, we kind of only read about uh, the massacre in kind of these kind of um, this legendary story that nobody's mm. seen. There's no barely any There's images no, yeah. from it, and and my my friend was reading out of the out of DWM. Um, uh, they were, I think it was the archive, and he was reading the end of uh, I think it's. Is it the end of episode three, possibly, of the massacre? Um, and it says about the, the the abbot, his broken body lying in the gutter on the streets. And at the time, in the 1960s, the, the viewers had no idea that this wasn't the doctor pretending yes. to be the abbot. So mm-hmm. to the viewers at the time, it was like, well, if this is the doctor pretending to be the abbot, then is the doctor actually dead? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You exactly. know, so, so, you know, those kind of cliffhangers that, and they, they, they really make you, they really surprise you and take your breath away. But, you know, I like, I like stuff from, from, from the 80s as well. I mean, the 70s got some wonderful cliffhangers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of my earliest memories is um, the end of the first episode of Remembrance of the Daleks. I saw, yeah, I saw it live with the Dalek going up the stairs. I remember that as a, as a, you know, one of my earliest childhood memories. I'm going to throw one out there. I think but, Vengeance of Bear,
1: on Veros, part one. Yeah. Such a brilliantly yeah. directed scene. It's so
0: clever. I love that one. That's it's, a great one. And and because I think that, you know, that that came at a time when a lot of the cliffhangers were kind of crash zooms onto Colin's face. I
1: mean I'm, I'm, I love the trial of the time lord just for every like I love someone did a supercut of every like zoom in on his face yeah um with the sting it's great but yeah it, it's one of those nice cliffhangers that does something a little bit different that's a great 80s one i think i i I always remember just and i like the ones you can sort of quote so i always love um destroy them destroy, destroy them at once, once. From earth shock it's always a that's always a great one that i like to quote around and um Oh, it's a Pyramid of Mars, actually from the seventies. Um, the mm. first episode, uh, I bring X gift of death.
0: Um, mm. Is a good, that's a uh, that's a great one. What, no, it's actually yeah. quite interesting, and I spoke about this on a on uh, the podcast with uh, that I did with Rod. I grew up watching a lot of the the VHS videos when they were edited into movies, yeah. so I didn't know where some of those cliffhangers were. So you would have, like, Pyramids of Mars. I had no idea where some of the cliffhangers were located. I had the same thing, because I
1: I was buying DVDs, but in a charity shop, we got the Time Warrior on video, and I was <clears> surprised <throat> to find that it was all edited as one. And so I would watch it and try and work out. And I was like, well... I know that must be a cliffhanger because the Santaran, you know, mm. when Lynx takes his helmet off, that must be a cliffhanger because the mu- you could hear it in the music a little bit, like the, mm. you could hear the Dudley Simpson music. But yeah, when I finally got to watch it on DVD, like I, the DVD even says like complete and uned- unedited for the first time. I, I yeah, it was quite fun. Sort of going, I got that one right, but I didn't get that one right. I can't <laughs> remember what it was. There was there was one of them that was like that wasn't yeah that wasn't. I was way
0: off the mark. I think I like it was a fifteen minute episode. If I'd had got what I thought was right, I did try and think about what my favorite cliffhanger was, and it is nearly. It is an impossible task, but I think mm. probably my all time favorite cliffhanger is the end of episode one of the Mind Robber, when the TARDIS breaks Ooh, up, yeah, and Zoe's screaming, the Doctor spinning away into the darkness, and the the console just tumbles through the fog and the the music the kind of that kind of haunting kind of sound that's that that's there in the background it was i i saw that as a as a kid when it was repeated in 92 or 91 we had the interference with our with our television at the time so i could barely see the picture as i was watching it but i just remember thinking what the hell is going on here you know mm. it's just such a batshit crazy cliffhanger but it just totally comes out of nowhere and yeah i think that would have to be my favorite cliffhanger that is a really good out one so many that that is just the one that think... really took my breath away
1: because it's actually on paper so many cliffhangers could be really good but it's it's direction that could, really good direction lifts them like i think of the cliffhangers that i'm not a big fan of and you just sort of think do you know what with a little bit more cutting and a little a few extra shots here and there and maybe i don't know a different bit of music score this would actually be quite like a really this would be really like edge of your seat sort of stuff like mm. i was watching them um, mark of the rani the other day and it's not a bad cliffhanger mm-hmm. it's just that thing of like it's a, it's quite a slow sequence and i think the music doesn't really help it and it's also that thing of the doctor's going down the hill on a trolley yeah and then they stop the trolley and then they lift him onto a, an even slower trolley and push that towards a hole yeah um, when it's like actually do you know what you just keep it to the guard the being on the trolley going out of control you don't even need that this is gonna go down a, a pit or anything like that like kind of sabotages itself really doesn't it exactly yeah if I had to pick an all-time favourite um, I'm gonna go for the most obvious one because it is I, there's a reason people always kind of cite it. I think. I think it's the caves of Androzani part three. Mm. I think there's something about Graham Harper's direction in that scene, and the you mm. know Peter Davison just closing his eyes and wincing as he as the yeah. planet zooms in. Mm. That's the quintessential one. Like that's great. I
0: it's I, perfectly built up, isn't it? To that yes. moment and the. Uh, the the bit that always sticks out at me is when he sees the kind of I don't know if it if it confirmed that that's what it is, but he kind of almost feels the the onset of the regeneration. He sees the the, yes. the kind of effects coming towards him. I'm obviously, yeah. seeing the effects, but it's kind of yeah, it's proper. Bi- you've massively built up. You've never seen
1: the doctor like, let alone Peter Davison's, but actually any doctor you've never seen them this run down and this close to the end. No, so there's something really kind of powerful about it. And the fact that he's just so defiant, even in that moment, and he's cracking jokes to mm-hmm. Stotts in that moment as he breaks through the door. And I just think it's great. It's that's, you know, that's what you want from a great, it's the sort of cliffhanger you don't want to do too often. Yeah. I mean, Case of Androzani is a story you don't want to do too often, which is, I think is one of the problems with Colin's first year is that almost every story is trying to be Caves of Androzani somehow. Mm. Um, yeah, it's such a great moment. I love that one. The other one that, if I had to pick a new series one as well, I really love The Magician's Apprentice, and that has mm. a really great free-titled cliffhanger because you have the reveal of the young boys Davros and that. Mm. I was watching that with a bunch of friends who had actually gone off Doctor Who; they'd they'd not really enjoyed Series Eight that much. And but I was like, well, look, I've got the I've got the episode ready to watch. Why don't we just watch it, have a few beers, and they watched it with me, and they were like, that was great. Oh mm. my god, I want to watch next week, and that. But that, the cliffhanger of him turning up and Clara's dead. Missy's probably dead. It's that. It's a night. I mean, it is a bit of a bait and switch from Stephen Moffat because actually, obviously, you later find out that you're watching the story in the wrong order, and that's not what he's there for. But I think as a watch, union next week. What a, uh, it's it's such a great cliffhanger and I really good.
0: Moff Moffat did did that did that very very well. I think with a lot of his stories, he's very good at tempting you in
2: Mm. you know
0: and he's very very good at changing the story as soon as it returns so he's i I think he's quoted as saying that the part part two should always be different from part one yeah Yeah. which if you look at a lot of his two parters that is the case i mean look one one of my favorite and one of the great things i think that uh, series nine did uh, i know it's not universally loved but series nine was great at doing i'm glad they went back to the kind of the two part format because we got some good cliffhangers in there and we got some different stories as well um, and one of my favorites is um from uh, the end of under the lake Yes, I think it's a. I, I it's one of my favourite stories. Anyway, Wait, one of my favourite. When I watched it the, the first time, I was like, "Wow, this is this is really good." It felt like a. It almost felt like a, a classic story mixed yeah. in with a bit of a, a, a Russell T Davis story. And again, it's a it's a base like we spoke about earlier with the Waters of Mars. It's it's a base full of, you know, recognizable people, but the cliffhanger to that episode of the Doctor. Kind of floating through the water, that ghostly figure of him. I was—that was the first time I'd seen a, a cliffhanger for a long time. Where I was like, I really need to see next week's now.
1: Yeah, I. That's a standout for me. I'm a big um, I'm a big series, mo- uh, series nine stan, mm. Um, but that is like the standout story for me because I, I do love. I always prefer two parters. And if I look to my like my favorite episodes list, a, a lot of it is two parters because mm. it's also a cheeky way of trying to get you know. 20 episodes on there in your top 10 instead of yeah. uh if they're just 10 but and moffat writes really good cliffhangers every mm. time um world enough and time has is such a
0: great one pandorica opens has such a great cliffhanger but if you do look at all of his two parts they are very very different yeah part one is part two is so different from part one i think it's maybe not when he was writing so much for for rtd when he was just the writer um, but definitely when he's producing it himself, the, the episodes are so different from each other. But another another cliffhanger, I just, I just thought of another one actually from the new series. Again, it took my breath away because of the visuals, the music, the build up. It was the end of the Halloween apocalypse.
2: Yes, series. very good.
0: Oh, my word. I was every now and again, I'll just rewatch that sequence. And it was kind of like you've got all these kind of separate characters, these separate storylines. And it's. It's like a, almost like a multiple cliffhanger, and mm. the, just the whole thing builds with with second Akinola's music and the visuals, and that was definitely yeah one of my favorite Jodie's.
1: I I would throw out then in that case. Can you just remind me of Flux? I'm um, obviously the one that got everyone talking was Village of the Angels um, mm. cliffhanger as well. I that was one where I was like, I need to see next week's. Yeah. I need to see how she gets out of this one. Yeah, um, and it, great. It, like li- I think those are the those are the also. A really good cliffhanger when it leaves you on a visual, uh, it imprints a visual image in your head. Yes. Or a sound. So, like talking about that Talons of Wang Chiang cliffhanger, you know,
2: Mm.
1: the the last thing you're left with is a character that's been very tough and doesn't take any crap, Mm. screaming because she's in horrible pain, you know, and we let it find out if she's just a bit bruised, but you know, but you're (laughs) left on that. And it's kind of like, it's such a great visual to be left on. Mm. Um, The same with like, you know, the ghost of the doctor coming Mm. through the water. That's, I mean, yeah, so many like great cliffhangers. I think there's a visual element to a lot of them as well. Mm. Um, I was think of the, um, the war machines part three. You know, just having the doctor sort of everyone else is running away, and just having the doctor stand there, and it's you know that's the shot they use in all the trailers. Now, yeah, you know, when they have to have a William Hartnell shot in yeah. one of these uh, trailers for classic Who, but yeah, Clifford, you could get, honestly, there's so many great cliffhangers, and I think there's probably loads of people writing and tell us we didn't talk about that one, talk about that one. But that's what I like about Doctor Who: it's that sense mm. of danger, and it's that from a production point of view, you really see some great stuff, some great direction, some great writing. Yeah, and some great acting in those moments because they're so heightened. Yeah, um, and th- that's why I think they they're designed to be the last thing you remember and think about all week till the following Saturday. So I think yeah. that's why so many of those cliffhangers are sort of like in my you know favorite moments, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I could talk about favorite cliffhangers all day.
0: <laughs> it's great. Okay, so we'll move on to your next subject, which is a niche subject, and it's uh, it's DVD and Blu-ray extras. Yeah. My introduction to Classic Who was through
1: video and DVD, hmm. and I can remember my first DVD was, because um, I think it was the one that just come out and I liked the cover, um, and it was The Claws of Axos, hmm. and I was just going to watch it, but obviously on the DVD there was loads of other bits, and I thought, well, I'll give them a i'll give them a look and stuff and you got like you know a commentary and a few little featurettes here and there and stuff but then that just i don't know what that did they just sort of awakened something in me mm. and from listening and every doctor subsequent doctor dvd i got i thought well i'll watch the extras and um and listen to the commentaries and it just made me go i really enjoyed this learning how the show was made and i like seeing all these bits and it's just sort of grown and having a you know, a, a a DVD collection and then a Blu-ray mm. collection is quite fun. And just sort of, I love this idea that in a way it's like owning your own, I think they put this on the back of the Blu-rays actually. It's like build your own
0: archive.
1: Yeah, And I I do like that, that obviously you've got YouTube and stuff. If you want to find like a clip of Chris Eccleston on Blue Peter in 2005, which is not on the DVD. Ugh. Um, yes. But if you, but it's nice knowing that you've got on these discs, that and they're the stuff I kind of enjoy the most. Like I get excited when there's a new collection and um, announcement, and I do actually re-watch all the stories because mm-hmm. and, and and even if they're ones I'm not a huge fan of, because I'm like, well, it'd be nice to see how they've been cleaned up and if yeah. they've done like some new CGI effects or if they've done um Ghostlight, for example had the work print so it's yeah. you know it's a low quality extended version i thought well that's interesting because i like mm. ghost light but i've never seen it'd be interesting to see how the deleted scenes where they were meant to go and stuff and i found i think it made me like the story even more mm. um but i the main thing i get excited about is the new documentaries and the new commentaries and the new bits and bobs they put on there because i just find it fascinating and every time it's a testament to the blu-ray releases that the classic series gets in the moment that yeah. even now having read like all the complete history books and poured over so many issues of dwm and i've watched all the documentaries on the dvds i'm still like learning new stuff they always like yeah. dig something out and i love like the more niche the documentary the better i, I love a good old the making of the ark and space or the making of resurrection of the daleks great i'm really you know quite happy to to watch those and i mm. will enjoy them and stuff Buy like the ones that go a bit more niche. So I don't know if you do
0: you collect the blue the collection Blu-rays or I'm so I've uh, I collected the DVDs as they came out and then the collection came out and I was like okay I'll get these as well but I slowly realised that I was going to have to be a bit careful with my money. So what I what I tend to do is get the ones of the seasons that are my favorite seasons yeah. so the first one that i got was season 26 um yes. because it's you know one of my favorite seasons yeah. and i got season 8 uh, because i wanted to see how how well they'd cleaned up the stories and yeah. restored them but then i kind of found found myself kind of i, I went into our local cex shop which i keep calling sex shop um, which apparently yeah. I shouldn't be calling it the sex shop. not. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say to my girlfriend, I'm off in the sex shop to see if there's any Doctor Who stuff in there. But um... <laughs> Yeah. And I, I happened to go in there and I saw a few of the, the the, the kind of the slim lined ones, uh, the yes. collections yeah, yeah. in there for, for quite cheap. So I've, I've bought some of them. And so what I tend to do is every, I don't, pre-order them unless no. it's the season that i want and then yeah. further down the line i will pick it up at another point so yeah. i haven't got that i haven't got season 10 or, or 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 no i've got season 10 but i've got season 9 or season 20 um no, but, but if, they'll come at some other they'll come yeah. out in a slimline version or something soon yeah, yeah. so i was because yeah. you know i kind of I, I i really wanted to to collect them, I'm just looking at them now. Actually, on the yeah, shelf, they are nice to look at. They are, yeah. But it's see, kind of, I think it's going to be a bit more. It's going to be a bit more of a slower process. Um, I, yeah, I really uh, want them to announce another black and white set or season seven because I desperately want season seven on Blu-ray. Oh, I'd love to see
1: what they do with season seven. <clears throat> I'd love to see that restored. I'm sort of a bit like, oh, leave, leave the black and white era just until you've got a couple more animations <laughs> done. I mm. would really like them to do the space pirates or the wheel in space mm. before they come out in a collection set so that we can have a complete, a complete season five or a complete season six. I think seasons three and four, it ain't going to happen.
0: No, I uh, don't know how they're going to, how no. they're going to actually complete that. Uh, Cause no. I was, I was slightly disappointed that we, uh, and only slightly because I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not an ungrateful sod, but no. I was a bit me, me, disappointed but. that we didn't get uh, animated crusades. Mm. You know, the two episodes because it kind of feels like it's a little bit un- incomplete, really. I was happy to collect them, but what what I found myself doing is I haven't watched all of the special features yet, so, oh, so I kind of feel like I've got this nice little collection of things that I still haven't watched, which I will get around to one day. It's great. There's so much wonderful stuff, I, I, and stuff that I didn't think I would enjoy.
1: Mm. So, And sometimes I'm quite... I, you look at the amount that's on them, and I kind of go... Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I really going Am I really gonna sit there and watch three hours of studio raw studio footage from <laughs> the making of Earth shop? I did, and I yeah. had a great time. I did
0: it with Battlefield. Uh,
1: yeah, I did it. There's good stuff in there. I did. There it, I did the same with um, Trial of the Time Lord as well. <laughs> I watched all the um, behind the scenes stuff on that. And yeah, a lot of the time you just sit there and you you sit there and you watch, and it's like you just see a couple of side and then standing around waiting for direction. But then every <laughs> now and then. You get Peter Grimwade or the production assistant going up to Beryl Reed and going, "How are you, Beryl, darling?" And go, "I'm fed up, darling." Like you know, stuff like that is what it, it's yeah. little treasures that you find. So I I just love the fact, and no other show gets this kind of love. No. Even, like, we were just talking in the break, like, in the when, in the recording break, we were just having a little chat about, um, you were doing, like, a DS9 rewatch and stuff. Mm. But, like, this, you know, things like Star Trek and uh, Buffy and X-Files are still getting the same DVD releases just built with a new cover yeah. every couple of years. There's no attempt to do anything with them. There's no attempt to clean them up. There's no attempt to find all this lovely archive stuff. Even the new series... Of mm. Doctor Who doesn't get that love. I, no, I, you know, which is such a shame, and i hope that one day we will start getting the collection series one and the collection series two, and they will go nuts on it and put lots of new retrospective documentaries and stuff on it, there. But if it, they would got, nice. it, it would be nice. It would be nice to I th- have I th- th- one box set with Chris's face next to my. Hopefully, also they're going to do a Wilderness Years box oh, set. Have one. It? Yeah, yeah. yeah. i'd I'd love that but yeah there's just so much stuff on there and you know there's the old it's always they're so good at thinking of outside the box so like Mm. i didn't think i'd read the book about john nathan turner and thought well there's nothing more really to be said from about john nathan turner you know richard Marsden did a wonderful biography of him that really like touched all the sides in a way Mm. um but then Chris Chapman comes out with his season 26 box set. And that documentary, they showed it at the BFI on the big screen as if it was its own feature. Mm. Um, and it was its fab. And just so much information in there and those personal insights. And it's, its you know, in a sentimental way, it's like, this is wonderful. Like, we should be, you know, we've cataloged so many people that are no longer with us. And like, yeah. say the, their thoughts are now, you know, there save for everyone to you know archive forever and there's something kind of wonderful romantic about that and then you get documentaries where they i one of my favorites is um it's from the doctor forever series that they did on like the last few dvds and it's all about when doctor who was off the air and so there's there's one episode that's about the books and it focuses on the virgin novels and Mm. there's loads and then there's there's one about big finish and then there's one that's just about the attempts that were made to bring doctor who back during the Mm. 90s and stuff and but it i just i got it ingrained in my head that they're going oh yeah there was this guy going around who's saying a radio host saying he was the new doctor who or something and then they're like and there's a clip of gary russell literally going but you you know we've never spoken to him no one's ever tracked him down for an interview you've got you've got him haven't you and it immediately cuts to that um i love that and that's you know i mean it's become a bit of a meme now on twitter yeah, yeah. But i love that there's this um you know there is this interview of a guy that went around
0: claiming he was the new doctor who at one point <laughs> and he might be lying but i love that yeah um, it's it's something a little bit different because the, the the ones that i'm not so keen on is where it's just a kind of a talking heads kind yeah. of where oh we did this and we did that and we you know we filmed this and then we filmed that and and they're great anyway because yeah. you get you get a you get an insight into the story but the, the best ones for me are the ones that again think outside the box. <laughs> One of my favourite ones is uh, I can't remember which DVD it's on, um, but it's uh, where Toby Haydock visits John Levine. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yes, great, That's fantastic. Awesome.
1: It's and it's really and he did the same with Matthew Waterhouse and actually that yeah. was maybe not as absolutely batshit insane but it was really nice and i thought you got to know matthew waterhouse a mm. bit more as a person and see him in his day-to-day life and yeah you know and i found that really lovely i love anything with toby Haydock does mm. is always great there's the one on the, i think there's one on the inferno special edition where he's um with the havoc he gets the havoc boys back together and they Mm. teach him how to do a stunt that's great i love the doctor who cookbook documentary yeah Um, they did a documentary about a documentary on season 14 yeah Yeah. who's
0: doctor who one that that Uh, was i i watched that because that was one of the ones i picked up from the sex shop shop. um (laughs) and um (laughs) and that was just like fascinating watching that and it's it's the ones that you know, I mean, I was, I was. Uh, I think it was around about February this year. I was not very well, and um, I just laid in bed with a Toby Haydoke documentary, and I think it was the one mm-hmm. about David Whittaker. Um, I've not watched that one yet. Oh, I've got my season like, two, but
1: I haven't got round to it yet.
0: They're almost like a, a, a warm hug. His, yeah. his documentaries, you know, you kind of. I, I just, I just laid there in bed, feeling ill, with the light off, watching this mm. wonderful. Documentary and it's his, his, yeah, his. I mean, we 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 mentioned Toby Haydock before, didn't we? Um, uh, but mm. he's just a such a extraordinary person. Yeah, you know, he's that, lovely. I've I've met. Have you ever met him? I've
1: met him I a couple of times. No, I he's haven't. So lovely. Um, he's exactly what you. Is exactly how he comes across in the documentaries and stuff. Mm. Um, but th- that's what I mean. Like his and those documentaries feel a bit more like they. You could put this on BBC One and it wouldn't matter that it's a very niche Doctor Who documentary because it's such a. They're so well done, and they're done in a way that appeals to the hardcore fans, but also appeals to mm. people that might not have interest. You know, that would be quite. It's, I from what I've heard of the David Whittaker one, I imagine it would be quite interesting. But like I, for example, similar the Lenny Main documentary. Yes. From, yeah. Which is, again, that's a name I've seen in the credits four or five times. And, you know, one of my favourite stories is The Three Doctors and Lenny Main directed that. Never for a moment thought about the man himself. I thought that was a really fab documentary that you could put on television and be like, we've done a documentary about this director who directed loads of stuff and sadly passed quite young. Yeah. So let's explore his life a little bit more. And I guarantee it, Like if you put that on BBC4, people would watch it without knowing it was a Doctor Who connection. That's how well made
0: they are. And I think that's where the best ones kind of are. They're a production in their own right, aren't they? That's how they feel as as opposed to the... You know, let's let's and and I don't I don't want to sound like I I don't enjoy the Talking Heads ones, but they oh, no, they no, are but... clearly just made for DVDs, aren't they? Whereas yeah. Toby's and uh, you know Chris Chapman's, they, they're all they're designed to be their own production in the in yeah their own right, the, you know the Frank Skinner
1: documentary about mm. Terence Dix, oh, I think that actually was wonderful. is uh, lovely, and I I bought a little tear
0: to my eye watching mm. that just. Well, to go into his writing room and stuff interestingly um and i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of uh delve into a little bit of um a personal thing here um but i i think season eight was released was it released around about early was it released it, early to it was the first
1: one during covid so i think it was like beginning of 2021
0: yeah we had, we'd had a
1: year without one
0: yeah so COVID. I- I was I was um I was struggling at work. Um it was really it was a really stressful time for me. And mm. uh, I got the season eight Blu-ray collection and I watched the documentary where and I can't remember the, the whole wins and outs of it. I think Katie Manning goes back to Devil's End, it uh, goes back to um Old Born, is it Old yeah. Born, yeah. And it. there was something triggered inside of me and I ended up having a full-on breakdown in tears. Mm. Watching this documentary because I, I I I sat there watching it and it was a wonderful documentary. But I, the only thing that kept going through my head was, oh my god, so much from my childhood is gone. These pe- mm-hmm. a lot of these people are now gone. They, these people aren't that aren't alive anymore, and it's really sad because you you know you watch these stories and pertu is alive. You know yes. everybody's so vibrant. Nicholas Courtney's still alive. Everybody is. It, it's hard to describe it. It's it, the, the demons is a story that's it, it's forever and it's always yeah. there. And to see a documentary where there's so little, so few of the people involved in that story of mm, being still yeah. with us it really really affected me and i mean i think part of it was due to the kind of my mental state at the time because not long after that i went off work with um, with depression mm. so i think that i'm not saying i'm not saying a, a blu-ray documentary <laughs> triggered everything but um i was in a bad place anyway where i uh, but it was yeah it was a very i don't quite know where i'm going with this story but it was quite yeah, a I know, but... it was quite a a sad thing. And I think sometimes I'm, I still feel the same when I, when I watch some of these, I mean, I watched the, the, um, the one on um, the season, season 10, where uh, Katie Manning and um, Stuart Bevan, Stuart Bevan go back to, uh, back to where they filmed the green death. And, uh, and again, that was quite sad watching that now because he's no longer with us. He's Sally passed. Yeah. And that was, that was only recorded you know, a few years ago.
1: that's, That's the thing, isn't it? And it's what I was, I think what you described there is like, well, one totally normal to kind mm. of feel like that. You do like it's you know stuff like this. You do you you do develop these attachments, and I think it's through these documentaries that you kind of do because you get to see the people, mm. the actors as people, not playing the not the character.
2: Mm.
1: Um, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, but for the most part, you get you know. I I you know I think part of the reason why I love characters like the Brigadier and Sarah Jane is from watching is from watching their stories, but also watching the actors and hearing them tell their stories and things like that. And you do feel, and it's the same with going to conventions as well. You feel like quite an attachment to them. So I think it's like, yeah, perfectly understandable that you would sort of feel that way from it. And it is true, like in a way, like you do kind of, there's, you know, whenever they announce a new documentary now, my first thought is going, is there enough people alive to (laughs) do a documentary about that? Like, I, I famously remember that the reason a DVD producer said, the reason they didn't do a making of documentary for the twin dilemma is like well the writer the producer and the director are no longer around so we just kind of thought that ah, it'll just be <laughs> it'll just be colin baker and eric sayward telling the same stories yeah um, might change when we get the season 21 box set because they've been the guys they've got doing the documentaries now are very good at making documentaries where you don't need to have all those people there that's also why i think they're important because whilst it's sad and you do watch these documentaries think oh that's sad because there's not that many people around you also have these documentaries are kind of keeping them alive in a way yeah i know that i can go and pick up a dvd off the shelf and i can watch a making of documentary for i don't know inferno and i can listen to nicholas courtney tell the Eye Patch story for Mm -hmm. probably the billionth time but you know it's there and i i I own it and it's you know i and it's it's there if I want to hear it, and you know, to perk me up or whatnot. And mm. yeah, purely for it's interesting because you know I'm I'm coming at it from a a view of it's great because if I ever need to know anything about uh, the robots of death or um, the case of Angel I can just go and grab the DVD and I can watch yeah. the making of documentary stuff. But I think also from what you're saying, there's also that and there's an emotional connection there. I think was really nice, mm. and in a way, it's a it's 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 equivalent of looking at a photograph of someone that's you know you cared about and is no longer here and yeah, so i think, I think in so. a way we didn't get expect to get so deep talking <laughs> about um i just wanted to say documentaries and stuff and go on about how funny the arc of infinity commentary is but <laughs> <laughs> but no but i think there's so many that's why i think they're important and it's a shame that like other shows and other films don't have yeah. the same amount of care put into them and I we think... we're, Doc, we're doctor Who fans we moan all the time that oh they don't oh, yeah. include this or they didn't include that
0: but you know actually for what we what we get we should be very thankful for because it's yeah absolutely we should yeah, yeah. we do because you know we're, we're so lucky i mean i think the only other show that i i can think of that's had a similar treatment was the um was the red dwarf dvds when they came yes. out they've got quite a, a lot of stuff on once you can get past the annoying menus that they used for them oh at the yeah time. yeah i think they made that the selling point of
1: the new blu-ray box set they're <laughs> like there's no big men- there's no menus like the old ones there's no cgi menus where everything's <laughs> hidden
0: um yeah red dwarf is a perfect example red of the a- show getting the love yeah mm. and but i don't people- think anything else i mean i've uh, uh, mentioned to you earlier on i'm watching um Rewatching Twin Peaks and mm. I think they've actually there's a lot of stuff on those on those special features um yeah. discs but I haven't I need to dig into that just, I, don't, I don't know why I'm peering over my I know, the, have the, a look. the blu-ray yeah. over there so I can't think <laughs> but, of
1: too many off the top of my head there's nice ones where so I've got like the complete x-files remaster and they didn't really do anything new for it but they made sure that every DVD extra ever produced so the season box sets and then any individual video releases they did where they had an introduction Mm -hmm. or any kind of like special because they did these weird DVDs where they just put like two episodes on there and then a couple of like quick little interviews and it was just the best of Exos they did a Mm -hmm. thing of making sure everything was included Mm. all in one place and that was quite good but they didn't really make anything new for it and they didn't go to town on new documentaries i'm pretty sure the making of documentary for season one is like 10 minutes long um it's a very quick you know we just gathered
0: who we could who was in the production office (laughs) that day and got them to sit down and talk I I, i wonder if it's uh if it i mean it's possibly not because um you know, back in the day when DVDs first started coming out, I, th- I still think there was there, w- there weren't that many documentaries or or, or special no. features on DVDs. But I wonder if it's kind of a it's a curse, really, with the streaming services these days, because uh, I don't think I mean, I'm still buying Blu-rays and DVDs, yeah, me too. Um, yeah. but I, I don't know if as many people are now. So I wonder if they kind of think, well, what's the point if we're not well, going gonna- like-
1: to? I think that's why we've got these collection box sets that, you know, you can get the standard edition, but you have these limited editions. I think that's just where the way it's, mm. you walk into HMV now and then have these huge shelves full of collector's editions. Mm. It, it's become like vinyl records in a way. It's, it's become like, it's a niche collector's thing. And the more, hopefully it will grow, because I think there is at the moment a bit you know, I don't really have the statistics for it, but there does seem to be just a general sort of in conversations and stuff. A lot of people going, in. Oh, my favorite thing has been removed from streaming. And there's a lot of people out there kind of going, we'll buy it on DVD and then you own it. It's yeah. yours and stuff. And that's uh, why, you know, a big thing for me is that I own it. You know, mm. I, it's mine. You can't. The publisher isn't going to come into my house and be like, that's um." We yeah. don't have the rights for that anymore. Give us well, that. Look at the, um, the perfect example is Anne, An Unearthly Child. <laughs> I'm sitting here fingers crossed that they will get the collection box out in time before the rights the blu-ray rights go because i believe that is a separate thing don't know
0: i think at the moment I, i'm trying not to think about it because it's literally causing me anxiety i know me too i mean it's, when when this whole business started up with the with the unearthly child issues i i, I immediately went to my disc to make sure that it was in good condition yes <laughs> like, me too i was well, like there's a slight like, mark on the back quick let me get a cloth my, on it <laughs> my my
1: poor girlfriend i went up to when just holding a dvd going by the way look if the house Burns down. This is the one you have to save. You have to save this one because we can't. We mustn't lose it. And she's like, "Yes, okay, cool. Um, I'll remember that." <laughs> um, it's I'm a sad fan, like you know. But but it's true. And I'm like, I'm "Yeah." Like, oh well, if they can't do, um, maybe they'll at least put. A, a, a spare disc holder in the collection box set, so we can put our DVD discs in. I don't know. No. I'm I'm gonna wait and <laughs> I'm gonna wait and see, in the hope that it will be okay. And uh, I imagine there's conversations behind
0: the scenes and things going on. Um, I, I I went into the the CEX shop and <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I saw a copy of Unearthly Child in there, and I was like do I buy it? I was like, <laughs> don't up. need it. I don't need I know.
1: it. I know. I saw the collection box. I saw the um, beginning box set for 999 HMB and thought, I better get it now. You've <laughs> already got it. I mean, <laughs> you've already got it. You're not having, and if you have to go on eBay one day and then you should have looked after your copy. Better. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. It's around it. Out, I just, I, I mean, I just love that stuff. I, I, my perfect Saturday morning is to just sit there with a cup of tea and watch, even, you know, some studio footage or a documentary, you know, a new documentary on the Blu-ray set or, you know, or even just like the, the weird archive stuff they find. The, the season 24 mm. box set is packed with so much weird stuff. Mm. Ever wanted to see Sylvester McCoy look really uncomfortable, but also <laughs> handle it really well on some weird like wee, um, school holidays children's show? Like you know where there's absolute chaos going on around him it's fab and then you just appreciate Sylvester mccoy more because like wow he's keeping his cool there and there's like five (laughs) kids behind him like kicking his seat or something (laughs) (laughs) i love like i love stuff little neat weird stuff like that i love and i love the attention to detail they have the the guys who put the sets together because they're literally like doctor who's mentioned like for 10
0: seconds in this Thirty-minute episode of tomorrow as well. Yeah. Put
1: it on the put it on the set.
0: It goes, and that's great as well because it's like you know, for me, putting on episodes. Of to, you know of tomorrow's world that again is is a show that i saw as a kid so it's yeah, that's same. taking me back to my childhood watching something like that and and i like watching the the uh the kind of the co- uh, continuity stuff um yes you know uh, and now on bbc one doctor who and all that kind <laughs> of i i love that because it takes me right back yeah to those days so yeah it's 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 a wonderful thing and uh you know, let's let's please hope that they've managed to release everything, yeah, um, because I would too. hate the collection to stops at some point. Yes. You know,
1: so. i I've got I've got my fingers crossed, but I'm also feeling very positive that it's yes. all going to be okay, and we're gonna. Yeah, I, I'm 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 looking and I'm going. Oh, I wonder what the next one's going to be. I, I also love that bit. I love wondering what it's going to be. Well, it can't be a it can't be an eighty set because we've just had season twenty. Um, I think season fifteen is currently the
0: rumored one. Um, well um, I think I think it was Chris Chapman posted on Twitter the other day that it, they'd just come back from filming in another country for a uh, for a, a a new documentary for the collection. So ooh. immediately I'm like right okay where could they where could they have gone then is Lanz- um, maybe could, lanzarote Planet of fire be, or
1: it might just be going out we've gone out there because some annoying production assistant now lives out there. Yeah. We had to fly out there for that's another one I really loved. we finally got a proper in-depth interview with Deep Roy yes! on the season 14 <laughs> box set. They flew out to LA to chat to Deep Roy and I loved it. I was like, I've always wanted to hear an interview with you. Well soon well, I know what I'm doing as soon as we finish recording. <laughs> season two is going on. Planet Giants. Two. Let's go. Um,
0: okay so we're going to move on to your final subject of the evening and again another subject that's intrigued me um and would you like to tell our listeners what that is doctor who magazine best episode polls mm. uh and to a lesser
1: extent worst episode polls i find them fascinating and i do i'm not i'm i'm so bad at maths don't ask me to tell you about uh, anything about statistics, I'm I don't know what I'm <laughs> talking about, but I always find it I love it whenever they're the saying about Doctor Who Magazine because that feels like the there's so you know, every other website does a poll of what's the best episode and stuff, and um, because Doctor Who Magazine has such a wide readership, it feels like those are kind of like, yeah, that is that's the key one, you know, if people vote for this story to be number one story in the DWM poll, you know that there's been a very wide canvas of people. And I'm just mm. always interested in seeing what goes up and what goes down and especially because obviously new episodes come out mm-hmm. every, you know, every year or so. And I like to see where they kind of sit. Um and I was actually a bit disappointed by the 60th anniversary poll that they did this year because they understandable reasons. I think they were a bit worried that people were not gonna, you know we're going to vote in an unfair mm. kind of way. And yeah. so sort I've of decided, and I think based on previous criticism they've had from, well, definitely one of the doctors and um, <laughs> yeah. he was enraged. <laughs> remain, yes. His name <laughs> shall remain. And then said, but it rhymes with um, Bolling Caker. Uh, <laughs> um, I totally get it that they go, we're just going to put the top. We're going to do it by doctor, not by just lump it all together. Mm. So you're going to find out what the top every, you see what every story kind of sits based on just on the doctor mm. so you can see what the worst william hartnell is and the best william hartnell one is so on and so forth but then we'll just take the top three of each doctor and then do a poll based on that how do i know that that matt smith episode is better than the fourth place tom baker story you know things like that so i i found it a bit but i was still interested in what the top 10 was based on the, what was available mm. But I just find it fascinating I like seeing where the trends are And especially when things change Again I find that fascinating I remember when I've got the 2014 poll results here I mean it didn't break the top 10 But mm. that was the year that One, suddenly everyone loved the war games mm-hmm. I.e. they started being right (laughs) because the war (laughs) games is great (laughs) but the war games for years had just kind of sat again it was probably because the last time there was a poll it hadn't been released on dvd Mm. but now people watch the war games and they they it it seems to have found a new appreciation
2: Mm. the enemy
1: of the world Mm. went Mm. from very low on the polls in the previous years and has then gone up because people could actually watch it i i i'm always fascinated to see what kind of goes up and what goes down and what the trends are and stuff. And like you say, and as I said, just seeing where the new episodes kind of sit. And I first thought, I've got them here. I've got the the bottom 10 and the top 10 for each year. So I just thought it'd be fun to kind of chat about, um, because we're Doctor Who fans, we like lists. Just sort of chatting, what do you think of this one? I'm just going to pull ones out at random here. So um, what do you reckon might have been... Uh, what should I go for? What do you think is the most consistent story in terms of where it lands in either the bottom 10 or the top 10? There's one story that I think kind of stays in the same place
0: every time. Okay, so I would say probably top would be possibly Genesis of the Daleks.
1: I mean, it's always in the top three for Mm. the last four, the four polls that they've run um, at DWM. It's always in the top three. Mm Mm-hmm. It was number one in 1998, but then it's always been at number three for 09, 2014, and the most recent one, 2023. But there's there's one poll where it did move. I mean, actually, I mean, we don't know what the bottom, what the losers were for 2023. So you could say Genesis of Daleks. Yeah, you're probably right on that one. There's another one that is consistently, I mean, always in the same place. Would it possibly be the Caves of Androzani? It's not. I oh, think. really? It, no. Caves of Androzani, again.
0: Always. Because I, the- I believe that at one point did top one of the lists. Two thousand nine came number one again. Now I haven't. The- um, I haven't collected Doctor Who magazine for a while. I buy the, no. uh, the occasional issue, so I haven't seen a, a lot of the polls since. Probably about. I can't remember. Probably early noughties. So, mm. but I was aware that Caves of Androzani had topped it at, at one point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 2009 it won it and everyone was really surprised I remember wow. reading,
0: I think Rob Shearman wrote the
1: article in it about it and been like yes at last like it's finally done it and here's mm. this wonderful essay about why it's so great um, it's actually the twin dilemma the twin dilemma really? for 2014, 2009 and 1998 always comes bottom Aww. always comes bottom, everything else above it, the, the the bottom 10 above it always kind of moves around and stuff do you think it's the worst Doctor of all time?
0: No no. Absolutely not. It's it's not the greatest Doctor Who of all time, no. and, and it's definitely not one that I choose to put on. You know, to, to, uh, if I fancy watching a great a great story, I think the problem with the Twin Dilemma is it comes straight after such a fantastic, yeah, episode of Doctor Who. Fantastic story, um, with the case of Androzani. So I think it's, and I think it's also. Uh, I mean, we talked uh, we talked off Mike about. And the, the Jodie Whittaker era, era being a bit of a, a, a rug pull from from underneath fans. And I mm. think possibly the twin dilemma did that, you know, you, you're in the safe pair of hands with Peter Davison's doctor. And all of a sudden you've got a doctor who is completely different yeah. and, you know, is strangling his companion and just being a bit of a dickhead. And I think it's, so I think it's, it shocked shocked a lot of people at the time. I wasn't old enough to experience it at the time. Mm. Um, mm. But when I watched it as a kid on video, Quite enjoyed it. Yeah. I, and, and I definitely think there's worse stories than The Twin Dilemma. Definitely.
1: Um, to name you a few that regularly appear in all these. um, I mean, you could probably guess some of them, but Time Lash, Time in the Rani, mm. Time Flight. Seems to be a trend there. <laughs> um, The Space Pirates. Oh, bless it. I mean, is that what I mean? It's it's not great, but is that I do? That's one I always wonder, will that go up a little bit? Will that be redeemed a little bit if we could actually watch it?
0: Yeah, I've got I've got a bit of a love hate thing for the space pirates, which I've talked about before, in that I do think it is really boring and it's really dull. But I am desperate to, to find something to like in it. I'm desperate yes. for it to be discovered or animated or I, I it needs a bit of love poured onto yeah. it, I think, because I, I know that it's possible that it that that somebody could really like that story And yeah. I want it to be me I I, yes. I really, you know, I, I struggle to get through it I really struggle um, But I do, at this moment in time I have to agree that it, it deserves to be down there At the bottom
1: um, the, the Underwater bottom. Menace is one That seems to be in a lot of these And I would, and it actually It escapes the bottom 10 in 2014 <laughs> Unlike um, Professor Zaroff un- Yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, Again, I wonder if finding episode two and then um having it subsequently available to watch and then now it's just been animated as well mm. as probably helped it a bit i uh, me it's a three out of five story it's perfectly yeah. fine feels like a tv comic adventure mm. um but it's nothing offensively bad in any kind of way no That's it's the... a story
0: i've always i've always enjoyed it yeah i've, I've always found it quite it's 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 entertaining. And it's amazing, like even in the surviving clips from the episodes
1: that don't exist, you're like, there's clearly a big production here. Like that scene of Zaroff drowning, mm. like in the going under in the tank, is such a great shot. Yeah. So you know there's some money behind it. And actually, even though it goes on a bit. That sequence in part three, where you see the fish people on their wires, you know, swimming around, sending mm. messages to each other, is a really well done piece of television. I think for the time period yeah. and the budget. Um. So that that's escaped. Um. Because it got pushed out by. Um, Rings of Akaten and Fear Her. They seem to be the new
0: series ones that have found their way. Okay, so um, Rings in... of Akaten. I remember the the absolute hate that was thrown at that story when it was. Mm. Uh, it was it was good. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was it was entertaining and entertaining I thought story. it was fine. I, I loved the 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 whole speech and the mm. music. I just yes. I got swept away in it. But I get I get swept away in 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 musicals anyway. It wasn't a musical, but it was you know it was kind of. A musical thing um Mm. and as for fear her i don't know if i've spoken to you about this actually um i must have been somebody else i really like fear her the more i watch it the more i enjoy it and i know it's not to a lot of people's tastes but it's nice that it's kind of isolated from the rest of the season it's this nice quiet little suburban story Mm. which yeah not a lot happens in it but it's like the idiot's lantern it doesn't mm. need to be a, a big bombastic I mean, story
1: yeah i'm i'm uh weirdly i kind of defend the idiot's lantern a lot i again it's got its flaws it has one major flaw which i totally get why it throws people and they don't like it but for the most part i think it's just a good fun eerie kind of like you say a little self-contained
2: mm. um
1: story and i like i like Historicals that use something from the period as kind of the monster or the fret, um, mm. so like I yeah, Idiots Lantern's one that I'm always like I don't get the hate, you know, I don't no. get the hate
0: for that. It's a perfectly fine mid level, yeah, fun I think, I think afternoon, the afternoon Doctor Who, exactly. I think the problem is it, it it gets it gets jammed in there. Fear her and the Idiots Lantern gets gets jammed in there with between. Such you know controversial stories like Love and Monsters, and yeah. you know big stories like the the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. So it, they're kind of jammed in there, and people are like so hyped up for these bigger stories around it that mm. it's kind of a come down to go to something a little bit more kind of quiet and a bit more thoughtful. But no, I agree. I, I uh, yeah, poor old Fear Her, poor Fear Her. The uh, yeah, the,
1: domin- the Dominators. Always kind of seems to Doctor Who magazine readers really don't like the Dominators. I'll agree with them on that. Not a fan of the Dominators. Um, yeah. I it's it's a I can happily watch it because I'll watch we as we were previously chatting. I will watch Patrick Trout and mm. watch Paint Dry. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I can't I can't get on on board with the Dominators. <laughs> um, it's a, it's an
0: interesting story. I think it's an episode too long. Uh, I think there's some great elements in it. Um, mm. It doesn't always hang together as well as what it could do. Uh, I, I am slowly being turned by it, mainly due to the amount of promotion that Fraser Gregory gives it. Yeah. Um constantly. He's—I've <laughs> never known anyone champion a story so much as Fraser champions the Dominators. <laughs> but um, it's yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not great. It's not it's great. Not great, but but the weird
1: thing is, and it's again it's like we were saying earlier, is that if you took Gate said to me, "I'm taking all your DVDs away, but I'm leaving you with the bottom ten from the... 2009 doctor who magazine poll so just to recap that's the dominators fear her paradise towers underwater menace underworld underworld, Mm -hmm. everything with time in the title twin dilemma i would quite happily sit there and watch those till the end of eternity like i do yeah i'm surprised about paradise towers yeah that but that i see a lot of love for that online and then Mm, it's a great story and then when it comes to Doctor Who magazine, it, it seems to get it gets kicked around and and is always langu- you know, languishing at the bottom of the polls. I always find that again, I find that really interesting, and I love one of my favorite um bits of merch that I bought years ago, and I think is one of the best things that Doctor Who magazine ever did was um the two hundred golden moments mm. magazine. Yes, that was I great that. because it was basically say something nice about yeah. every Doctor Who story. And it was really well done. And some of the things in it are like stories I absolutely despise or, you know, I'm like, oh, I just couldn't, I really don't like that. It's true. There's something in every Doctor Who story to like. And I I do firmly believe that every Doctor Who story is someone's favourite. Hmm. There's, you know, there's stuff I don't like and I don't need to go on about it here. Like it's, you know, this isn't what I like. You know, it's a nice positive podcast. We don't need to be talking about stuff we don't like. But there's a couple of Doctor Who's that I'm like, I really don't like it and I really Mm. don't want to watch it again and I'm just you know I'll watch it if I'm doing a marathon but that's it you know Mm. but I know that that's someone's favourite story and I kind of find again I love that and I kind of find that fascinating again it's another reason you know I like looking at these polls because every single one does get you know get some they always say like this one got at least you know twin dilemma gets a couple of tens every 10 out Mm. of tens every time
0: yeah Um, and i I think as well you know there's always a story out there that that uh i i I think there's something good to be found in every story the story might not be brilliant but it you know there's good to be found in it is you know again the dominators i think i think the quarks are the cutest little (laughs) psychotic little things in the world i love them and the, the 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 constant arguing between um Between the Dominators is fantastic. So there are elements in stories which are are great, even if the story is not great. Mm -hmm. Talking about Paradise Towers as well, I'm 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 intrigued to know how's Delta and the Banner Men doing these days because it is one of my all-time favorite stories. In fact, I when I did my last rewatch, I gave it ten out of ten Delta in the Bannerman. Okay. I've got well, a, I'm a massive soft spot for
1: uh, that story. I have good news and bad news. Yeah, mm. start with the bad news. In nineteen ninety eight, it was considered the uh ninth worst Doctor Who story of all time.
0: Who, and then who never, these people
1: voting. I know. And yet yeah, it never again appeared in the, the subsequent bottom lists. It I mean it might for all I know it might have been eleven or twelve, I don't know, but it escaped the bottom ten. <laughs> um so people have clearly warmed to it i mean i i don't mind out in the Bannerman. i uh, i do think season i find season 24 the biggest slog when I, if i'm perfectly honest but again i could quite happily sit and watch any of those stories mm. um i i can sit and watch time in the rani and have a laugh um the kind enjoy of,
0: The stories that i i think they're better in uh, in isolation instead of watching them as part of the season so mm. you know jump think- from you know, go go and watch, go and shove on Dragon Fire randomly one day yeah. rather than watching it in a in a marathon.
1: I think the worst thing a Doctor Who story can be, and none of these really are, is well, maybe to an extent a couple of them here, but for the most part, I would never say that the Twin Dilemma or Time and the Rani are dull. No, and I think that's the worst you could think a Doctor Who episode could be is dull mm. or boring. And I don't, none of these. I'm I'm scanning through these, and I can't say any of them really are. I find underworld a bit of a slog, mm. um, but it's not boring. Tom Baker's being Tom Baker and Louise Jameson's being Leela, mm. Um, and I could, again, you know, quite happy to watch them crack jokes and make wise and walk past loads of dodgy <laughs> CSO sets, you know, it's, it's great. Um, but then, you know, I, I, it's also, you know, I like looking at the, you know, you look at the top 10 stories and stuff uh, and here and, there's some absolute bangers in here and again, never boring, you mm. know, that's why they're so good. Because And then it's always like, you know, there's some big game changes in here, but then there's just some nice ones. Um, city of death is one that has crept up the list more and more each time. Mm. Um, uh, I think it fell a little bit in the most recent one, but it's still doing better than some other stories that usually were above it have now sort of slumped down, mm. um, have fallen down there a little bit. Pyramids of Mars, for example, you know, has taken a bit of a tumble off the list. Talonza Wang Chang has taken
0: a bit of a tumble off the, the top 10 list. It's just been, it's been edged out. It, it's interesting as well, isn't it? Kind of seeing those trends and, and why those stories would, would kind of drop. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of talk, <clears throat> you know, we don't need to go into detail about it no, all no. because uh, many other podcasts have discussed it before, but there's a lot of controversy surrounding the Talons of Wang Chiang yeah, quite right, and eh? you yeah. know whether or not it should it should be people's favorite stories because of you know the the choices that they made with you know casting decisions and other elements within that story. Yeah, um, so it's 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 kind of you know is it because of the way the world is changing that stories like that are slowly sinking yeah. down? You know, because I know that there are some extreme people out there who will say. You can't enjoy that story, you know. And Mm. there are people out there say, "Well, I can enjoy it for what it was, yeah." And I can acknowledge the mistakes that it made without falling down a Talon's
1: rabbit hole. Or we went—I went went to just before the Blu-ray release came out. We went to the BFI to watch the screen, and they did a bit. And they—they weren't able to do as they'd originally planned, which was to have a full panel there, kind of discussing it with people that you know write about race in television and film. uh, like Matthew Sweet was going to be there, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. um And they had some really good like academics that were going to be there that write about this thing from mm. their own experience and things like that. Um, but they did have a brief little chat about it and stuff, and it was interesting. I think it's just it, context is key. I think, yeah. And you can uh, it is it will always be a favorite for me, and mm. you can't you can't delete my personal experience of watching it for the first time it was my first tom baker story and just falling in love with it and even now i can stick it on and and love it but i think you're able to watch it most people are able to watch it with a objectionable view and go i don't like that line i Mm. don't like that you know that makeup that they Mm. use there don't think they should do that now at the time maybe they shouldn't have done it but it it is what it it is. It's there. And I'm, I'm very, I mean, me personally and other people will disagree with me perfectly fine. I don't think any piece of media should be deleted or no. wiped or anything like that. You know, we, sh- cause then you just, all you do is just you create a myth around it that mm. it's something that, you know, so extreme that it had to be seen, you know, and stuff. And so actually it just, it accomplishes nothing. And all it does is pee off the people that want to watch it and just enjoy it. Yeah. Um. And, and stuff. So I'm not going to get into that, but <laughs> I totally. But that's the thing. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this because I find that fascinating. I find that it's great that those conversations have happened and they seem to have had an impact mm. for better or worse, depending on how you 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 fall on that debate. But it's interesting to see that it's it's you know it it won like the Outpost Gallifrey poll in mm. 2003 it was voted the best Doctor Who of all time it's often always been in the top five and it's in the recent years that it's it's crept down the list a bit yeah um and uh, yeah and I mean even just the top 10 this time around six Stephen Moffat stories in the top 10
2: wow um
1: and some of I mean, Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead comes at number 10. Mm. And again, this is, might be partly due to just the flawed nature of the, oh, we've only got three stories from each Doctor to choose from. Yeah. So, like, Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead was never even topped, like, the season poll. No. That year. In fact, it came third or fourth, I think, because you had Midnight Turn Left and Journey's End. Yeah. Deep- beat it down. Yeah. Um. But looking at this, it tell, this tells you that it's the favourite story of series four. So again, those trends, even over just a couple of years, like these, yeah. these trends change and stuff and stuff moves about. Day of and the then, Doctor was number one at one point. And now uh, that's at number five,
0: you know? Yeah. And again, it's like how, you know, how, what are you voting it based on? So mm. I think something like Death to the Daleks is one of my all time favourite stories. doesn't mean that it's better than, say genesis of the daleks exactly so are you vo- are you basing your votes on how much you enjoy the story or whether you think that that story is mm. actually good because yeah. i fully understand that delta and the bannermen is not the greatest story in the world but you makes, enjoy it. It, it, I'm, it i enjoy it immensely when i watch it it's the same as like the gunfighters because the gunfighters yes. used to be quite a a derided story, people didn't like that and it was always at the bottom of the polls. But I absolutely love it and I enjoy the gunfighters. Mm, I'd me rather too, yeah. Put on, I'd rather put on the gunfighters than say something that's considered the classic, like the Ark in space. Yeah, but also it's like Doctor Who's got so many subgenres to it that you can
1: kind of be in the mood, you know, I might be like, I don't feel like watching Hide or The Empty Child right now. I kind of need something, my go-to one, is if I'm feeling a bit unwell, I like to put a funny one on and I put Unicorn and the Wasp on mm. and I have a laugh. And it's, you know, it that's never going to be top of the hole. But if you ask me, like, what's the funniest Doctor Who? What's the Doctor Who episode that makes you laugh the most? It's it's usually the Unicorn and the Wasp will all mm. come out of my mouth. But I know what you mean. Like, I looking at my list now, I I love um, the pirate planet.
2: Mm. Um,
1: is it better than Talons of Wing Chiang or Caves of Anzani or Genesis of the Daleks? probably not it's probably Mm. even i'm the first to kind of say that but it's it's the mood you kind of feel at the time and you're kind of like i feel like watching the pirate planet because i know i will enjoy it and if i watch genesis of daleks right now which is also a favorite it's probably not going to do it for me today it's it's so there's so many different factors isn't there yeah so it's always interesting it's you're never going to get a perfect top 10 list but i always think this it's just so interesting seeing what the trends are and um, and I hope I haven't bored everyone to death because I'm sure there's people listening to Absolutely me that analyze <laughs> I'm sure there's people that analyze this stuff that will be able to tell like mathematically prove to me why um <laughs> Blink Blink is like the greatest Doctor Who story of all time and is that was robbed and of um <laughs> I mean that's tumbled for the first time ever instead of being at
0: number 2 it's at number 6. Wow. Um you see I love Blink but I wouldn't it's not in my top 10. I no, mean I my top 10 changes all the yeah. time but it's not it's never it's never got into my top 10. Same same it's never broken into my top 10. It's not even my favorite story of that season.
2: Mm.
1: Um it's probably not even my number 2 of that season. No. Like I love it. I appreci- mm. I every time that's one we were talking earlier um again we were talking off um off mic about stories that take a little bit of time for us to kind of appreciate. And actually Blink for me was one of those. I watched it and I was like, this is like a four out of five. It's it's good. I really, you know, really well plotted and stuff, but it just never connected. Mm. And it's only after 15, 20 rewatches that I've kind of gone, I totally get it. And it is mm. brilliant. God, it's yeah. fantastic. You know, like analyzing it in every small detail. Yeah, But it's never going to be, objectionally. it is the one of the best Doctor Who stories of all time. But for me personally, it's not, it's not even the yeah. best of that season. Like I, I would if you ask me right now, pick a series free episode you want to watch. I'd probably stick Smith and Jones or Gridlock on. Yeah. Um, and they're not even my favorites, but they're yeah. just the one I would go to. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's it's interesting, it's great. It I, is... I, I I'm sure someone out there will tell me lots of more interesting sort of stuff about um how the polls work and what this means and blah, blah, blah. But I just look I just love a
0: list. Mm. And I just love looking at, and love seeing the lists change. Just to round this off, I didn't get the doctor who magazines for these polls for each doctor. What came first and bottom for each doctor? Oh, I can't tell you. Did they do that? They did do that. I couldn't Mm. tell
1: you off the top of my head, what the bottom ones were. I could tell you what the first, I know Dalek invasion of earth is officially the best William Hartnell story. Um, See, that's that's. I mean, I, it's a great story, but well, it's not my top. Definitely. Um I think the War Games is still the favourite, Troughton. I think I might be wrong. I don't have them to hand right now, and it's been a while. Um, Inferno is the favourite, John Pertwee. Um, I'm pretty sure for the first time ever, this is the where it gets weird. I think City of Death was the was voted the favourite Tom Baker story. Wow. But in the, in the ultimate poll, where they got the ultimate top ten, Genesis beats City of Death. <laughs> so they've swapped. And the same thing happened with Capaldi. Case of Angersani is the best fifth. Revelation and Remembrance for six and seven. You'll never guess what the best TV eighth Doctor story is. It's the TV oh, movie. Really? Um, yes, yes. They voted for that one again. They clearly love it. Um, God, they need
0: to watch something else within it. <laughs> they do, they do.
1: Um, Empty Child for Eccleston. Tenant That's was Blink. Fair um
0: uh Max smith it was day of the doctor uh again which is kind of a bit unfortunate really because uh, i i i've loved day of the doctor it's 10 me out of 10 too. for yeah, me yeah. but i kind of feel like it's more of a special rather than yeah um, so it'd be it it's the kind of need to take that out of the
1: i, I know what you mean it's like <laughs> yeah. it's,
0: nothing can win against that because no. it's just
1: the pure joy like nerdy joy you get yeah from it. But I guarantee, if you've just got a you know a, a more casual fan to watch all their favourite Matt Smith episodes, they probably wouldn't put it in the top five. No. Uh, the, like <laughs> they might put it in the top five, but they won't put it in number one. Like yeah. for me, it, it would. It's always like the Doctor's Wife or Eleventh mm. Hour. Mm. Um, uh, the interesting ones were Capaldi and Whittaker because they haven't had a poll at all. Yeah. Um, so Capaldi, the favourite was World Enough and Time, and the Doctor Falls, and then Heaven yeah. Sent in second. They've swapped round in um, the ultimate poll, the 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 ultimate top ten, and then uh, Heaven Sent came number one, and World Enough and Time came number two. So they're the top two Doctor Who stories of all time, and they're both, Mm. but they swapped places. So it's just so unreliable. Um, Whispers the top, the number one was uh, Power of the Doctor, yeah, um, that's fair, which understandable. Um, Mm -hmm. So those were the favourites. I couldn't tell you the bottom ones for all of them um the mate the ones i mainly focused on were the capaldi and Whitaker ones cuz they were fresh you know it was like mm-hmm. i i want to see what fandom thinks is the best and worst capaldi story yeah um i think it, i think for capaldi it was in the forest of the night um, mm. was the worst one i might be wrong um that seems right to me and kind of makes sense i feel like that was one that was wasn't going to be too obvious i think usually is it the uh...
0: Is it the woman who lived that's usually down there at the bottom? Is it the that woman was, I don't think that was too far
1: at the bottom. It was a few up. I think Kill the Moon was like the second
0: worst. Which season. actually, Kill the Moon, apart from it being bloody stupid, um, <laughs> it's actually a really good story. I enjoy yeah. it. Apart from the moon I, is an egg thing and the whole beam of him abandoning Clara. I, d- mm. I, d- I actually really enjoy Kill the Moon whenever oh, I watch yeah. it.
1: If we were writing the 200 golden moments for these ep- those episodes could easily pick something e- i could easily pick from about three or four scenes in like kill the moon I, mm. I think that's an unfairly derided story um if i'm perfectly honest um i don't i think my least favorite from that series is the caretaker just because it's redoing the the lodger to an extent yeah, and it's a little bit nasty as well isn't it it's, it's a bit... that is most nasty there yeah um I, I yeah, like that's the reason I struggle a bit with Series A. But yeah, that's it. That's in, that. Those are the stick. A- yeah, those are the polls. So um, and it'd be interesting to see. You know. Five ten years time, they'll do another one, and we'll see where the sixtieth anniversary. Spe- it's already out of date. The
0: sixtieth anniversary specials aren't on there. Well, um, the, this is the thing. By the time this goes out, we'll 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 have already seen the first special... Shuty yes. or story. So exactly. this, uh, yeah, we're we're talking just before Christmas here, but uh, this will this will be going out probably about late. January time, I think, yeah. possibly. But uh, just before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you with regards to the 60th. Uh, I'd like you to rank your specials. Ooh. Ooh. Just the, the 60th ones. Just
1: the 60th ones, fine, fine. Yeah. Um easily number one, Wild Blue yonder. Really right. loved it. And I went in with I went in with all the expectations to see everyone from Carol Ann Ford to Matt Smith <laughs> turning up. <laughs> Um, I thought they were going to bring back, you know, the most obscure characters imaginable. Um, And I was just pleasantly surprised by it. Loved what we got instead. It was just a really, like a really well-told creepy story. We were previously chatting, I think, about Mm -hmm. what it's the kind of Doctor we like when it's a bit creepy. So Wild Blue Yonder, it's a bit of a struggle. At the time of recording, it's not even been a week since the Giggle aired. My brain is still trying to make sense of all the bi-generation stuff, not necessarily what was in the episode but what has come out since from Russell T Davies and um, about what it means on a larger scale of Doctor Who continuity
2: mm-hmm.
1: Do you know what? Just in terms of pure joy, I'm actually going to go and I think they're all great episodes um, but I would go Wild Blue Yonder, Star Beast, Giggle
2: okay.
1: um, Giggle was the weakest one for me, might change on a rewatch mm-hmm. Star Beast for me was just pure joy mm-hmm. i i love a meep so
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for myself it would have to be and i've only watched the giggle once so far because uh as we spoke off mike i've kind of overdosed on doctor who <laughs> so i'm just having. It a, happens, i'm just so... coming down a little bit from it but uh, i would have to say it'd be the giggle wild blue yonder and then the star beast but all of them were absolutely wonderful it was run. such a wonderful way of celebrating the 60th anniversary we had the the power of the doctor last year which was the big fantastic nostalgia fest i i think um Mm -hmm. so i did i never felt that they were going to do that again for the 60th it felt like it was going to be three solid stories with some callbacks to the past and that's what we got and i think that's the best way of doing it it's it's moving
1: it it's moving forward and that's mm. what I love about it and that's regardless of how you feel about anything that gets introduced whether it's the doctor's half human or um, the timeless child or the bi-generation stuff it's like it doesn't matter ultimately at the end of the day show's still going to be entertaining and it's going to be fun exactly. as long as it's that as long as it's that yes. I'm really excited for Christmas I can't yeah. wait I'm looking forward to watching a Doctor Who episode on Christmas Day mm. for the first time ever. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to listen back to this in January, and it's you know fandoms basically decided that it was the worst thing ever. Twin Dilemma has <laughs> been pushed off the bottom of the list for the first time ever. <laughs> Who knows? But um I don't see that
0: happening. I'm I'm going in very confident. It's going to be great fun. I think uh, so as well. I, I'm I'm predicting that uh, it's going to be a fantastic story. Yeah, it's going to be a fresh take on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, It's Christmas Day episode, so it's going to be It's going to be a lot of fun It's not going to be anything too serious, too heavy And I think We're going to fall in love with The 15th Doctor And Ruby Yep, And hopefully her family as well
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to that There's so much we haven't seen yet I'm really excited
0: It's great, isn't it? Okay, that brings us to the end of uh, this particular discussion, and uh, I do hope that uh, I'll be able to entice you back for another recording.
1: One hundred percent, yes, please. This has been great fun.
0: It's uh, it's it's really entertaining, isn't it? Just being yeah. able to just
1: chat chat about anything
0: to do with Doctor Who. Okay.
1: The only thing I'm missing is a pint. That's what I'll bring next yeah. time. I'll, I'll bring a pint. Good idea. Good idea.
2: Good yes. idea. We'll do that.
1: <laughs> I love. Absolutely, would love to come back
0: brilliant well you're more than welcome so uh where can people find you online
1: uh i'm on twitter so you can find me uh at matty j dennis that's matty with two t's uh and dennis with two n's that's at matty j dennis um give me a follow i usually follow back i'm usually quite nice i mainly just talk about doctor who and other nerdy stuff (laughs) um i usually don't have anything profound to say about it, but I just kind of go, I liked that. That was a really good episode. So if you (laughs) like that kind of content, um, follow me there. Um, And I also uh, regularly write about Doctor Who DVDs, Blu-rays, and occasionally episode reviews and other merch bits and bobs uh, for Critical Popcorn. Um, So if you just search that in a Google search engine, um, you can head there. By the time you hear this, I probably will have uh, a couple, the review of the Doctor Who 60th Anniversary Steelbook up
2: mm-hmm. there
1: uh, and if i don't then you can go on my twitter and send me messages and be like why didn't you review the 60th anniversary steelbook
0: why did you uh, lie to us uh, why but? did you why lie? did you lie you can't
1: be trusted <laughs> uh but no uh yeah so by all means Phil, if you want to give me a follow give me a follow there um but um yeah happy to chat dr two with anyone to be honest uh pint or no pint <laughs> <laughs>
0: great i'll I'll also put a link to the uh to the reviews uh review website on on the uh the spotify link as well so everybody should be able to to access it uh through there okay so that is it for this episode we are heading towards the end of what i'm calling season one we've got one more guest to come and then we will have a little gap i don't know how long the gap will be but not too long Uh, certainly not uh, what was it 18 months between season 21 and season 22 Yeah, sorry 22 and 23 yeah Um, yeah, definitely not an 18 month gap Uh, there won't be a charity single being released to get me to come back on Um, Um. (laughs) (laughs) if you don't don't download and subscribe then we will do one That's a good point, actually. We will. (laughs) (laughs) Podcasts in distress. Yes. No, but uh, no. Thank you for everybody who's appeared so far. And uh, it just leaves me to say thank you again, Matt, for for appearing on the show. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you. No problem. And uh, whatever you're doing, stay safe and we will speak to you soon. Goodbye.
1: One cliffhanger we didn't talk about that I think actually is a bloody good one is the first part of Leisure Hive when he's pulled Ooh, apart. That's yeah, a great cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. that's a uh, good one. That that's is, fine. Yeah. That can be someone can write in a reminder something like, well, we did, <laughs> we did talk about it, but we didn't stick it in the episode. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll just stitch it to the end of this. You didn't
1: talk about the Leisure Hive part one. <laughs> Never listening but- to your podcast again. No. <laughs> I'm gonna, instead, I'm going to go and listen to Doc O'Ho's Season 18 panel. Oh, it's him it's as it. well. <laughs> 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 What's in the
2: box?